Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I picked up my Pilates classes again. It has been over two years since I've worked out in a studio, in a group with other people because I was doing, you know, bar method for years, loved it, and then switched to Pilates like right before COVID happened and they shut down and I just didn't feel comfortable going in and I didn't want to wear a mask when I was working out when they did open it back up. So I waited a long time, but I finally started again because they had, you know, their black Friday special. And so I was like, I'm going to do it because quite literally the only thing that can make me a morning person is by working out. But the only thing that makes me work out is if I'm going to a group class that if I cancel, I get fined. (laughs) I have to use like, Find High layers of accountability. Find the thing that's gonna make you accountable. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really love it. I really want to rejoin a gym. I've just been so hesitant, and I don't know at this point. I don't really have a reason to not. You know, like for so long it was. Well, they're not even open. And then it was like, well, the, you have to wear a mask. I would physically pass out if yeah. I had to wear a mask. While I have out. zero endurance as it is. I would no not longer. be able to breathe. There is no <laughs> way. The fabric over my face. So, you know, but at this point, it is open. And there are definitely, this fall has been, especially, I don't know about your area of the world, whoever is listening to this, but in Kansas City, maybe not fall. Early winter. I have never I seen. You said fall like it's not the middle of. Well, it's January is when you guys are listening to this. But I know. It's the I, of I know right January now. is when you're listening to it, but it's not technically winter yet, is it? When does winter technically happen? Let I thought it was see. at the winter solstice. When is, is winter technically? <laughs> is it still fall in December? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess winter solstice isn't until December 21st. Yeah, okay. So I thought so. Late fall, though. All right. The beginning of fall was one thing. A late fall, I have never seen so many people drop like flies. Everyone has been so sick. And so that's my latest excuse for not going. It's like, well, I technically still the winter season. Meteorologically, the winter season starts December 1st. Okay. So regardless, quite literally, it's 50 degrees right now. Is that cold cold or hot to you? It's hot for the time of year. Oh, 100%. Agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. But I think that's why everybody's been so messed up. Because the weather has been all over the place. It'll be 10 degrees and then 70. Yeah, it's very stressful. I don't know what to wear. (laughs) 
I don't know what to wear. Well, people are doing the typical Midwest thing. I know in LA, like if it's 70 or it's chilly and you're in a jacket, but in Kansas City specifically, when it goes from cold to warm to hot to cold to warm to hot, like like literally in the same day, potentially, the Midwest outfit is gym shorts, tennis shoes, and like a puffer jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you just start stripping yep. layers as the day goes on. Yep. Or you can be classic hot girl and it's massive hoodie shorts and Uggs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Stop. I can't. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. No, I will not. I will. Gladly. I wore my Uggs today to go work out. I'm not embarrassed of the Uggs. I'm embarrassed of the idea of Uggs with shorts. Oh, see, I don't care. I like my toes nice and warm and then the breeze <laughs> on the legs. Breeze <laughs> on my legs. Oh, my God. It was funny, though, when I was leaving. So I had I prepped Penny last night that I would be leaving in the morning because she gets up at like 6.30, 6.45. And I was leaving at 6.45 to go to this class. And I was like, you're going to, you know, hear me up and around and I'm leaving, but I'm just going to go work out. And like, you're going to finish getting ready and daddy will take you to school, blah, blah, blah. She was like, well, why can't I go with you? And I'm like, it's just for adults. Like, it's not for you. She was like, well, have you worked out on the Peloton? And I was like, you don't need to shame me. (laughs) I can't tell you the last time I was on the Peloton, but daddy was on it. Daddy still rides. But what was so funny is when we were Christmas shopping for her, Target has a freaking kids it's not peloton because they can't use that name but it's a kids peloton bike that has a screen and can play music and you could it's a stationary bike you could literally get on it and ride it and I was like do we get this for her (laughs) we haven't but because it was also not cheap I was like this seems kind of ridiculous in all the best ways well, you said you were looking for a big gift. Maybe it's a big gift. Well, she has too many. She has too many at this stage. <laughs> You're like, we've already overdone it. With her birthday being nine days after Christmas, I'm like, oh my God. Well, and then Brian, we went to dinner the other night and his parents just wanted to come up in town and we all went to dinner. So we're at Me Ranchito down at downtown OP, which is one of my favorite places. Penny's there, obviously. We're sitting. And my mother-in-law was asking me for a couple of smaller ideas for Penny so she could send it to some other family members to get her for Christmas. And I was like, sure, sure, sure. Like, I sent you this, but I can add some more things, whatever, whatever. Then Brian just, like, forgets that his kid is sitting right there and is like, oh, well, don't get her the watch because we already got her the watch. And so I smack his arm and he's like, I, the watch band I asked for Christmas, the band for me, for my watch, my band that I asked you. And Linda was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yes. Your watch. Yes. They're your band. Yes. And so Penny goes, don't get me what? Oh God. Luckily she wasn't paying attention. What is wrong with you? Oh my I'm like, this is our big present that we're getting her. By the way, it is not an Apple Watch. For those of you listening, it is not an Apple Watch. It is more for me than her because I can track her location. (laughs) Fine. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm excited for, for you. I've seen way too much recently. The news is devastating. I can't watch it. I can't watch it. Mm Mm-mm. No. So I pulled up this, If in case you guys needed a birthday present idea for a little one in your life, it's at Target still. It's $95. So it's not as expensive as my brain remembered it to be. It's the Little Tykes Pelican 
explore and fit cycle ride on. You know what? That's not that bad. I think you get have someone, it doesn't have to be you, but someone should get that for her birthday. Maybe not Christmas. Yeah. Well, there's a space for a tablet and you. She would freaking love it. She would freak out. She would freak out. And I guess there's like, oh, there's literal games that you can download an app and do. Stop. Easy access. I think it's a yes. I that is way less expensive than I was thinking it was. 95 bucks. Yeah. I have to get it shipped. I'm probably gonna get it. (laughs) You have to. I can't wait to see the photos. Oh my god. Well, you know what? Promoting healthy activity in children is amazing. She can do a freaking one-handed cartwheel now. She's gonna be doing acrobatics before long she already is so she does gymnastics she's been in gymnastics for about a year now she was once a week maybe a little over a year but she's moved up levels and literally the other day she was like oh let me show you this real quick freaking tucks her arm like a chicken wing and cartwheels on one hand and i'm like i literally don't even know how that's physically possible so then she was in the basement we have like a yoga ball, like a medicine ball. And so she bounces off of it and does a round off off the ball. Cause she's she's just, gonna be doing like aerials before long. She's on the high beam now in gymnastics. Ma'am, what are we doing? I no fear. No fear. I mean Well then she asked me to do a handstand and I like fucked up my shoulder. <laughs> I'm I, sure. I tried to do it, but like I just could not get my legs up. I was terrified. And so I tried, I tried, I tried, couldn't get my legs up. And I was like, I don't know, like sis, like I don't want to mess up my shoulder. Like kind of makes me scared. It's okay to be scared, mama. Like you can keep trying when you're ready. <laughs> I can't. I'm like, oh, you listened. Oh my god, you're so kind. <laughs> I can't. I can't handle I know, it. I know. So, yeah, she's funny. She's great. <laughs> How I just, anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to change the subject because I literally could talk about your child all day. <laughs> and today I want to talk about our children, LOL. <laughs> all of you. <laughs> I mean, all of you listening, our little babies. It's my mission in life to come up with cheesy transitions, but... Uh. <laughs> I'm all good. Yay. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) I can be good at one thing. But today I want to talk to you guys specifically and give you some advice because this is starting to, I thought it was like a little problem that was just happening for some people, but I'm realizing it's a much bigger problem and it's happening to more people than are willing to admit it. And that's fine. If it's happening to you, this is the no judgment zone. I've seen people at all different stages, just getting started multiple years in business into the like half a million dollars or more in revenue who do not yet understand their numbers and specifically their finances. And watching what it does from an organizational perspective, a growth perspective, sustainability, mindset, all the other things in turn effects is a lot. And so if you feel to this point that you've either been really uncomfortable around your own numbers, or you don't have adequate records, it's okay. But I want to talk about like what it will ultimately do for you and why it's such an important thing to prioritize. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we've told this story before and we joke about how there was one meeting with our bookkeeper years ago that I was in and we were talking about numbers and we were mapping out stuff and it was making me so physically uncomfortable that I left my chair and I laid on the floor of my office to process. Again, it wasn't even a bad conversation. We were literally just talking about finances. And I realized that a lot of my hesitancy around diving into the numbers, understanding the numbers, and really equipping myself with the knowledge that looking at a P&L comes with or looking at just being aware of your expenses and where the money's going, like all of it, was really rooted in like the inadequacy of financial literacy that I was raised on and the emotions that money and lack of money had for me personally. And I was taking those into business and just, you know, I was very much raised on the like, if you just ignore it and don't pay attention, then it won't be a problem or you'll figure it out. But like digging into it is uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, then you shouldn't do it kind of thing. And so I had just avoided it for forever. And luckily, like you wouldn't let the avoidance happen. And I got to definitely start to segue out of like, I was never going to be CFO here at BP. That is not a role I want. I have no interest in playing that role. And as we grew and shifted and I was able to not have to participate in as many of those meetings or conversations, it definitely was better for me. However, I am always and forever the co-founder, the CEO. I can't not participate in some of those conversations. And it's definitely shifted for me over the years that while sometimes it can be uncomfortable, it doesn't mean anything about me as a person. It is just a neutral conversation. Well, and even if it's uncomfortable, that doesn't even necessarily signify that the conversation is bad. Sometimes it's uncomfortable simply because it's new or that it's different or that you're intimidated by having the conversation or talking about the numbers or even like knowing where they come from. And so I want to remind you that like our mission at Boss Project is to equip more women and femmes with the financial knowledge that they need to not just build a business, but build one that's sustainable and supports them not only financially, but soulfully. And that's only possible if you have a level of financial literacy. And a lot of this is grounded in you knowing and understanding what you need personally, so that you can go into your business knowing what you need to produce. But anytime we have a conversation with a client, it almost always starts with financial information. Like almost exclusively, whether we're talking about pricing or financial goals or scaling, it all starts with the root of, well, what do your books say today? And what does history say about where you were and where you're going? And if you don't have that information, it can make it really hard to make decisions. And I want to reflect for a minute because we've had clients come in who are relatively far in the grand scheme of things in terms of like total number of sales, total sales revenue, whether that's all collected or not, because that can also be a very confusing conversation because people don't always understand the difference between sales and contracted revenue and actual collected cash. And yeah, remember when we had the conversation about being the bank? Yeah. 
not everyone pays their bills. Right. Not everyone pays their bills. And so I think I've seen some people get into trouble, you know, really focusing on what their sales were from a sales contract perspective and not really knowing or understanding what's flowing in and out of the business. Yeah. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yep. Yeah, that was one of the, just as an aside, that was one of the rude awakenings of this business in general, of doing any business, but this business in general of the like cushion 
and the assumption that you have to go in when, you know, post a launch or when you're planning or you're predicting or forecasting and putting a lens of what do you think you're not going to get paid based on what you actually do sell? And we always like to try to be on the super conservative side and budget for like a higher default rate than maybe what we'll end up seeing. But we didn't plan for that for a long time. And it would start to be really frustrating when it inevitably happened. And so now it's just a, nope, it's, we're going to assume it's going to happen and we're going to build it in and we're going to factor that into the goals as well. Yeah. Cause if you don't, then you can end up in a situation where you are assuming income is going to come in that will never come in. And then if you needed that because you already earmarked it for an operational expense, you can end up upside down. And I've seen a lot of well-meaning people go into all sorts of things thinking they know and understand, but there's a level of understanding that's missing. And most often it's when your operational expenses start to grow and you don't have a firm understanding of cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. That was also a lesson of ours. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago where like we obviously had some financial literacy. We knew how like budgeting for something or spending something and then expecting money. And, but there are some, especially when you're in the one to many model, (laughs) which I know like some service providers, there's been the never ending conversation of whether that's quote unquote easier or a different way to scale. And if you haven't listened to episode 580 way back from a year ago, you need to go listen to that. But what's not being taken into account in lower priced offers or one-to-many offers is the amount of money that you're spending in order to make that money. And especially now with ads being so volatile, that amount is so unpredictable. And so we like to, like, I put a coin in and I'm going to get this much back out. And I would like to assume that that's going to hold true no matter what. And it just isn't. And so the idea of like spending cash on an expense with the hope that you make the money in 30 days, in 60 days, in 90 days, is a reality for a lot of businesses. However, if you're not planning for that runway and being prepared and having enough cash to carry you through, there can be a rude awakening on the other end of that of we're like, oh shit, we have to actually turn off the faucet now because we can't afford to keep it on because we're not making money fast enough. Yeah. Or I've also seen people who go and hire and they assume that they're growing their capacity by hiring. And so they're like, oh, well, I'll definitely make more money. Or they assume that the role will allow them to make more sales. And it can, but not always. And so like, how do you judge the right role? How do you make sure the role is the right fit for the organization? If you do free up that time, are you going to be able to grow your sales? Or are you going to end up in the same position? And I've also seen people who like, they do technically grow their sales, but it's in such an equal ratio that they're literally making the same amount, but their effort is so much higher to make the same amount. And that can be a really frustrating position to be in. Well, and speaking of just that example, a little bit more, I think a a thing that isn't talked about enough And because it is so unique for every position and every department, every business, I get that. But even if you're hiring for someone that can actually increase your capacity, 
you're going to be spending more time than you ever think that you are on onboarding that person, training that person, mentoring, coaching, getting them up to be able to do the things that you want them to be. Sometimes that can happen you know, quote unquote, quickly, maybe you see a huge relief in 90 days. Yeah. But can you afford to just like spend that money for 90 days before you see a percentage of that return? Right. Right. And some of you can't. And some of you can't. And we've definitely made the mistake sometimes of when we know we need to hire and we're ready and we can technically afford it and we're needing for this position in this role in this role, we've done a blitz hiring spree before because there is something to say for like, if you're going to be onboarding and training, you might as well do it for more than one person. And I'm definitely, I still see the benefit of that. But then you don't realize like how little of your own work you're able to do when you're onboarding and training and getting these people up and ready. And it's not like it's bad. And it's honestly not like that there can be anything you can do to prevent that. There can be definitely ways to make it better and more optimized, but it's not like it can just disappear. But if you're not accounting for it, it's going to feel like a really icky thing to have to focus your time on. Well, because it can be so distracting from the role you need to sustain the business you're in. And so I worry less about the you having the ability to switch into that role. I worry more about you being able to maintain what is necessary to keep the business running the way it was pre-hiring. And not that it's not possible. I mean, I am all about it. Hiring for us, truly, we had an over 60% growth in revenue in a single year because of switching from primarily contractors to primarily employees. And do I think that had anything to do with, I mean, because they weren't necessarily in sales roles, but like, because we had the operational support, we were able to actually support the clients on the back end. So I think we could have technically always sold that amount, but we wouldn't have supported them well on the back end and it would have bit us in the ass. Well, and that's an aspect that you know, when people are looking at what lever do I need to pull and who do I need to hire? If you're not also planning on, so a lot of people look at just scale, right? I need to bring on this many more clients and then I'll make this much more money. But we've talked about that cycle of doom of where, you know, I put that in quotes that you need more support and able to serve more clients. But for some of you, you're just going to go after more clients anyways. But then if you're not delivering appropriately on the back end, you're not going to be getting the results that you want, the testimonials that you want, the referrals that you want. And you're going to like put yourself in this client bind, even though you didn't put yourself in this financial bind. And there has to be a balance. I don't want you to be a bind in either one of those categories, but you have to look at it from both perspectives. Yeah. It's necessary to really assess from all the way around. But, you know, I think it it starts really basic. Like, I don't want to ignore that some of you coming in don't understand what a P&L is and don't understand what a balance sheet is. I was having this conversation and these two documents are incredibly empowering. I think you will begin to look at a P&L once you have it kind of set up, it will become the thing that you look at more frequently. A balance sheet is less necessary in the day-to-day, but your profit and loss literally represents all the income that comes into the business, cash collected, and then all of the expenses 
and money that went back out. So money in, money out. Your balance sheet represents the assets of your company. So all of the assets you have and all of the liabilities that you have. So if you have cash in a checking account, cash in a savings account, if you have a loan, if you have equipment that has value, if you have, some of you may have inventory that has value, all of those things are accounted for in your balance sheet. And they represent the total cash value of your business today, not necessarily the value if you were to go and sell it, but the actual amount of quote unquote money sitting inside of the business. And you know, if these are things you're not looking at, it can be really alarming because you start to become very reactionary. You don't necessarily see things coming if you don't know how to interpret these documents. And you can end up in situations where, you know, oh, I just did blank number of sales calls and got X number of clients. But like, are you invoicing them on a regular basis? Are they paying their invoices on time? Is anyone late? If they are late, are you following up on it? And if they're late, does that like literally put you in a awkward position where you may have to pay your team late? Do you have enough savings in your accounts to make all of your operational payments for multiple months if clients were to become behind? And if those are things that you feel like you don't yet understand, like I don't want you to feel like you're alone in that. I think so many people are flying blind and they're so much more focused on either delivering the service or selling it that they're not necessarily as interested because it's confusing and it's not. It's confusing. And I just feel like there is such a drastic lack of the appropriate bookkeeping professionals who have either direct experience, past experience, or work with clients who are in that service-based realm who know to ask the questions, who know to look for the opportunities to educate and help strategize with their client on the pitfalls that their specific business model presents them. Not that it's right or wrong, but every business model has its different opportunities and pitfalls. There's going to be pros and cons to everything. And man, I feel sometimes when I hear the nightmare stories of the bookkeeping experience our clients have, I'm like, there needs to be more people in this area who have the experience for these type of nuanced businesses that are online, but delivering a service, but like virtually, digitally. I've definitely seen people who quote unquote pay for a bookkeeper, but they're making one of a couple of mistakes. One, they think that doing something that's there's a difference between accrual and cash methodology when it comes to P&L statements. And Unless you're doing millions of dollars in business, there's really no reason to like list your contracted sales in a P&L statement and then like de- defer out what doesn't get paid. That can be incredibly confusing from a logistics standpoint. And since it doesn't represent the cash coming into the business, can give you a really inflated view that's not true. And so I think it's really important to be doing cash-based 
accounting so that you have a real understanding of your cash flow. Eventually, does it maybe make sense at some point to switch? Maybe. I like to like, I still keep track of sales. I still keep track of what's contracted. And I'm trying to personally pursue the difference all the time. And I have specific team members on that, but that's not necessarily in my bookkeeping. Mostly from a one, I definitely want to see the truth. And two, I don't want to pay more taxes than I need to. And if you have inaccurate reporting here, you can... You're saying I'm going to make this can, much and you don't actually You can end up paying much. taxes on money you never collected if it's not recorded appropriately. The other massive mistake I see bookkeepers making or people allowing bookkeepers to make is it's so basic that it's not helpful. Like there's no division of what the income sources were, like what kind of sales you made or what those looked like. Or on the expense side, they're bucketed so high level that you can't really see over time how you're spending your money. And I'm not saying you need to have an incredibly granular bookkeeping system. It doesn't need to be complicated, but it needs to give you enough information that if you wanted to go back six months or a year in time without you literally pulling up your bank records that you could see what was happening. And if it's too basic, then you're not going to know, well, was I working with that contractor at that time? I'm not really sure. Or did I buy my laptop that month or that month? Like, if you can't tell, then the only reason you're doing the bookkeeping is so you can pay taxes, which I much prefer do bookkeeping to be an informed business owner. Yes. Yes. The taxes are just a necessary part of you running your business. Yeah. You have to get those done anyways, but you might as well be doing it from a strategic lens that can actually educate you on the moves that you can make in your business. And I don't know how often have I come to you and been like, well, okay, this says this, but it doesn't account for this, this, and this. And so we need to be mindful these things don't end up on a PL statement, but they're still going to affect our cash flow. And because things like you taking a distribution, your distribution shows up on your balance sheet. It doesn't show up on your profit and loss statement. So you're like, oh, I made all this money. And then you took a chunk out and they're like, where did all the money go? You paid yourself. <laughs> You paid yourself, yourself. Girl. So like, don't come <laughs> at me and say you don't have any money. You already paid yourself. Mm-hmm. You just already took it out of the business. When you're paying back a loan, you paying the loan down affects your balance sheet. You don't see the loan payment on your profit and loss statement. So if you're making large chunks to either a credit line or an SBA loan, or maybe you took a PPP loan during the pandemic, that's not showing on your cash flow. So what is the difference? Because you may need to be doing some basic accounting above and beyond what the P&L statement is showing so that you see the reality of what the cash says. Because if your P&L statement says you made 20 grand, but your checking account went down 5,000, you're going to have some questions. And part of that is really understanding how these things work and like why they're categorized separately. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a bookkeeper who's super experienced within your area, what I love are the bookkeepers who don't just do the, what is it called? 
reconciling, but are able to be knowledgeable about your specific industry. And if they're a good bookkeeper, then they're doing it for a handful of loads of other clients who are also in a similar industry. So they're able to see trends. They're able to see predictions and make assumptions that are very educated assumptions and very strategic and purposeful and share that with you in strategy that you, you know, how many times have our clients said, like, I thought this was, I was the only one that had this problem, or I thought I was the only one going through this. And you would be so surprised (laughs) by how many, you know, circumstances are so universal for so many business owners. And you won't know that unless you're working with someone who has that experience. Yeah. And is willing to share with you on some level, the trends they're seeing and obviously done so with like proper discretion and confidentiality. Right. Right. It's not like this business is making this much. (laughs) Um, But I think without it, you can start to really feel like you're on a desert island. Like I don't know how this works or it all takes time. Like, I felt like I had a basic understanding of a P&L after about two years in business. But like my understanding of how I can leverage that information to make educated decisions on the future has dramatically changed in the last seven, eight years. And because I just didn't see how many other things it could affect or help me plan for. And if that's not the information that you already have today. Like you need people in your corner who are going to help you identify these things, think about these things, understand these things, help you see the trends. And I just want to be a resource. So I really encourage you if knowing your numbers or specifically your books is not something you felt like you've had a good grasp on, Go ahead and send us a DM. I want to send you a recommendation. Send us a DM at Boss Project. I want to hear from you. And I'd love to connect you with a resource. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details really love this show, it would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.